right? And then this is what I'm gonna keep it real with, with everybody who's thinking about getting married. Like, yeah, there's moments where you're like, man, she has a beautiful smile. But when you guys are going through it, you won't really care about that smile anymore. Like, that's out the window. Like, yo, she like I don't even, you know, like real, real emotions are gonna come and go, and that's what I mean at that moment. to your favorite podcast and clueless we're here with episode number four my name is Alyssa. we have marvin here what's up what's up and we're excited to jump into another podcast so marvin i have a question for you right what's up, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like i always start with questions we always have conversation um and i think in the beginning it's cool because it's like we talk about these little things and people kind of get to know us do these little like beginning parts before we talk to our guests but i wanted to talk to you about your lovely bride, Andrea Davis. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my question to you today is, how did you know it was time to marry the Andrea David? Wow. Or Castillo, excuse me, Castillo. But yeah. I'm talking about her before. Right, so she right. was Andrea David at she the time. She was still David at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I know? Like, when was, like, the moment? Or was, like, you're talking about, like, the day of? Like, when is, like, this is the, this is the day I'm going to no. do it? When did you know, like, <clears throat> I have to marry this girl? When did I know? Um, so I'm, all right, so I, I know this. So this, 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 I'm just straight up honest, right? Um, there was something that had happened, something that was going on, um, and this is gonna sound so like Christianese, but it's the honest truth. Um, and so basically, I, I believe it was something had happened. I remember I was in a cab or something like that. We must have just got off the phone. Um, or maybe we had just came off of a date or something like that. And let's just say it was to the point where it was just like, I don't know if this is what I want. I don't know if this is what, you know, the route I should take. I don't know if this is something that's going to continue. I don't think this is going to be a thing. Um, and I would probably say that for the first time. Um, and I don't want to say like I've had a whole bunch of girls and all that, you know, but I would say that, uh, out of, out of the relationship that I have been in, this was the first time that in my mind at that moment, um, all I thought of was like, okay, if 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 you do like her, right, and, and if, if, if you say that you love her and everything like that, um, are you going to, like, how, how are you going to respond to the situation? Um, are you going to go back? Are you going to... Um, Basically, this like, how would Jesus love the church type of thing? Mm. Um, and at that moment, it's just like, whoa, why? why? Like, I never think like this. Um, and a moment full of anger and a moment full of frustration and, and I guess negative thoughts, if you will, to say like, yeah, this is probably not going to happen. At that moment, um, I actually thought something that I guess you can say is almost sort of like marriage kind of thinking, you know, like love your wife has Christ of the, ch uh, the church and all that stuff. And it's like, when that moment happened, it really hit me like, man, I've never thought like this before. Um, it wasn't something that I try to brush off. And I think that was the moment when I realized um, that uh, that I wanted to marry her. I mean, I'm like, this is it. You know, obviously, uh, I feel like at that moment, just thinking of that and, and you know, you know, you could call it, I don't know, the Holy Spirit talking to me and all that. You could say what you want, but you know, at that moment is like really having sort of like a biblical mindset or it's just like, and not even married yet. It's just, 
you know, um, obviously we knew that that was, you know, the goal or, or at least what we wanted if it was definitely serious. Um, yeah. And I think that was a moment where, you know, it really hit me like, yes, I do love this girl. And, and, and yes, um, I want it in a way already responding in a way that I really wouldn't have. Um, and that I guess it's only really like biblical marriage principles. And, you know, I, I, it's not like the next day I was like, hey, you, you know, you want to marry me but um that was the day when i realized like yeah this is serious and this is this is what i want to do understood so you're saying you guys got into an argument and she was like i don't know if this is what i want or you got to an argument and you were like man because i'm so frustrated i don't really know if i want to put up with this and if this is what i want yeah i think it um i'll say i wouldn't say that she said it um I would say it was more me. Like I didn't know if 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 it was what I wanted. I didn't know if it, it was, was something that I wanted to continue and pursue, right, and put up with, right. Um, gotcha. And and that's what kind of made a difference because it was it was more of like how you how am I going to respond to it? How uh, and it, and it wasn't the response that I would usually respond, and it wasn't the response that I wanted to. Got you. So it's safe to say in a moment of like frustration, anger everything within you was like almost like abort mission. I don't know if I want to put up with this, but it was kind of like the Holy Spirit spoke to you. Your mind kind of shifted and you were like, no, in moments of difficulty, how would Christ respond? And this is how I want to respond. And because you knew that that was your response, you right. were like, this is way bigger than just dating. this Right, girl. right. And I'm just like, why am I even thinking like this? Like, we're not even married yet. Oh. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, that's what it was. And I was just like, all right, so. Wow. Yeah, and how good. long you guys have been married? Have have been married for? Uh, now three. So this January would make it four. Wow! So that's crazy. That's really crazy. That wasn't yeah. the story I was expecting. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. gonna be like this romantic moment. I, I, I'm like, not gonna lie. When you asked me, I was smile. like, "Oh man, this is really about." I'm like, "Listen, this is how it really happened." So I'm gonna just give it to you straight <laughs> up. I mean, thank you for the authenticity. <laughs> it would have been hilarious if you would have made up a story and then like we would have <laughs> like, like nah, pressed, like stop. And you would have told me the real story. That'd be good. But I was expecting, like, you know, she was across the room. I saw her smile, and I just thought to myself, I need that smile in my life for the rest yeah. of my life. But, you know, at the end of the hey, day, this I, is real. I, I thought that too, right? Right? And then this is why I'm going to keep it real with, with everybody who's thinking about getting married. Like, yeah, there's moments where you're like, man, she has a beautiful smile. But when you guys are going through it, you don't really care about that smile anymore. Like, that's out the window. Like, yo, <laughs> she, like, I don't even, you know, like, real, real emotions are come and go. And that's when I knew that that moment was different. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, I promise you, I will eventually get to saying Andre Castillo. <laughs> For some reason, it, she just processes Andre David in my head. Right. I know her last name is Castillo. This is not a sign of disrespect to you. It's just I don't know. I don't know why my <laughs> mind can't like fix it after twenty something years. It just can't do it. It's I don't just, know. It's it just programmed that way. I get it. Yeah, it's programmed. I, I'm gonna switch it up. I'm gonna you know hack it. But I ask all this because our guest today actually is very 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 newly engaged i mean like yesterday <laughs> they got engaged and they just actually told me that they knew that they were going to get engaged yesterday but this was their only off day and so they still scheduled to be on the podcast so they showed us some big big love because <laughs> they can be out celebrating right, right now doing all the great things but they're here the day after their engagement so i want to give it up for craig franco craig what's up how are you i'm doing good i'm happy to be here it was a great that's great so opening awesome. that's so awesome so craig you heard marvin's real story what was your what's your story like what was the moment that you were like i need to marry this girl well um my now fiance which is crazy i i've known her 
maybe about 10 years now. And we went to a Christian camp when we were both like 14. Uh, so that's the only time we really saw each other. But I would say in recent years, about five years ago, we kind of rekindled. Everyone was going to Six Flags and I saw her again. And, uh, you know, I always liked her before. And then I see her now and it's like, wow, mm -hmm. we, we really grew up. But to say that, you know, by the time that I actually asked her to be my girlfriend, which was three years ago, I was like, I want to marry this girl, you know, type situation. Oh. But, and, you know, like Marvin was saying, it's like in the moments that it gets, you know, you're in the thick of it and you see how both of me and her, you know, problem solve in the midst of being super frustrated with each other, or even angry with each other. Yeah. And seeing like kind of like her wisdom and knowing my natural response to not get super angry or yell at her. It was like these little things. I was like, I, this is the one, this is the one. And mm. I'm going to have to marry her someday. And uh, I wouldn't say it was one moment, but it was a lot of little things that was just like reassuring, like, yeah, she's the one, she's the one, she's the one. So wow. then, you know, I went on the one knee yesterday. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow, that was really poetic. Welcome to the Love. club. Welcome to the club. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So before we jump into why Craig is on you, his career path, and all those great things, we're going to play like a little game slash activity. It's called Rapid Fire Questions. We did this before with uh, Martine, right? And we're going to do this with Craig. Um, and so some of them are like the same questions because Martine's answers were hilarious. So I want to see how <laughs> Craig responds to them. But okay. some of them are a little different. So Craig, the, the idea here is I'm going to read off about 10 questions to you. And it's just like your first response. The first thing that comes to your head, this mm -hmm. is your answer. You don't have like minutes or hours to think about this. Sure. This is like whatever the first thing that comes to your mind, that's your answer. So it's called rapid fire and we'll go through it. And then we'll kind of get into the rest of the podcast. Is that cool? Sounds good. All right, so the first one is your last meal. You're dying tomorrow, and they tell you what's your last meal. What is it? Steak and mac and cheese. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. What, what, like, how do you do your steak though? Like, what's the cook? Medium well. Medium well. That's well. good. That's okay. good. Yep, I like that. All right, so one holiday has to go. Like one holiday, we can never celebrate it again. What's the first one? Halloween. Halloween, gotta go. Halloween. Okay, he's not a candy guy. <laughs> All right, next one. If you had to make someone you personally know president, who would it be? Off the top of your head, my sister. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Martin said the same thing. She said the same thing. That is that's crazy. crazy. That's Sisters crazy. for president. I think. Yeah, I know. I gotta keep asking that question and see if every time it's like. Alyssa, one one day it might be you. It might be like, hey, Alyssa for president. Oh, I, and then I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe you'll get the sister color with the president. I thought you meant I have to say, and I was like, I have to. Uh, no, that's good. Yeah. All right, Wendy's or McDonald's? Wendy's. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody who understands. <laughs> wow. I feel like people pick McDonald's too much, and McDonald's is not that great. Whoa. I agree. It's not, it's not that, that great. Whoa. It's not that great. It's 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 been long running, and I respect the fact that it is what it is. It's insane, the money that it brings in. I understand that. But, like, people, like, swear that it's, like, the best fast food against Wendy's, and I really don't think that that's the case. I think Wendy's mm. is better. I really do. I really do think Wendy's okay. is better, and I respect Wendy's for that. So I respect <laughs> Craig for giving that answer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. If we didn't need to sleep, what would you do with the extra time? Play so like, video games. 
play more oh, games. I would expect eight hours. <laughs> so what many games, games, so little time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what kind of video games do you play? Um, I love the kind of like story based games that you could just play by yourself. I'm actually not too big on the multiplayer Call of Duty stuff. It's fun, okay. but most of the time I like doing the single journey deep story stuff. That's dope. Yeah. Um, are you what console do you have? Um, I've got the one I'm playing now is the PS5, so I'm trying to catch oh, up okay. on all those games. Are, so you're more of a console, or do you do PC too? Strictly console. I'm not sweaty <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, next one. What would be the theme song of your life if you had to choose a song right now? Wow. Um. Well, without thinking, I, the Spider-Man theme song just came to my okay. head. Uh, right. It doesn't make sense, but are we talking hey. about the the old school theme song, just Spider Man, yeah, like, Spider Man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a, like right. a cheesy cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's good. Hey, he's a superhero. Marvin, I'm interested to see like what would yours be off the top of your head? My theme song for my life? Yeah, like right now, just boom. First thing that comes to your head. Oh man, I don't know why this is the first thing, uh, but the original, uh, the Batman theme song for the. Uh, Really? The Batman series. Yeah, I don't know um, why. We're on the same why, vibe, though. Why is yeah. superheroes? When I thought about this question, I wrote it down. The first one that came to my head was Life is a Highway. Don't ask me why. Life is a... I, I don't know why. It, just it makes more sense than us. Yeah. First thing that popped in my head. So, But, I mean, shout out to you guys for being superheroes. I, I mean, Craig at least has words. Mine is just like just... The music, hey. Yeah, it's just music. So. <laughs> we have like voiceovers over it. In each other. Right, right. Mm -hmm. All right, what is your biggest irrational fear, Craig? Being stuck within like a confined space, like two walls, and I can't move. Oh my like God. being stuck and not being able to go somewhere. Are you claustrophobic? No, not at all, but I don't That's know. something. I got dreams about like going in like an air duct or something, and I get stuck, yeah. and then I can't. I'm done. That's crazy. Slow death. Slow death. I did have a dream last night where – I was in a car. It was like four people where it was four people, including myself, but three of the people that I knew, they didn't know each other by like any means. One person's from college. One person is someone I've met here in Massachusetts. And the other one was my brother. These three people don't know each other at all. For some reason, we were in a van all together. And the person who was driving the van, they didn't have experience driving like bigger cars. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, they were leaning towards like the railing. And we like flipped over the railing, fell in water. And I remember in my dream, like it felt like I was just sinking in water and I oh, woke man. up terrified. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I'm gonna pray about it tonight. <laughs> I really don't know, but yeah, I mean, I drowned. So I get the dreams thing. It's like, kind of scary. But like yeah. when you dream about those things, you like it feels real. Oh yeah, it feels real. I'm very visual. I have like five, six dreams a night, and it's does all any, like. Narrative. Does anyone get that dream where you are uh, you hitting something with all your strength and not doing not a single thing? Does anybody get that dream, or is that just me? Oh no, 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 yeah, like punching the dream. Yeah, yeah it's like you're super crazy, weak. Yeah. You're like hitting people with jelly beans, and you're hitting them with like everything. I've never, I've no. never but Marvin, I do have to out you right now because I do remember a dream that I was told. Uh -huh. That in your sleep you like threw something oh across the room and yeah. it ended up hitting Andre in the back of the head or something like that while she was awake and she oh. thought you were messing with her but you were sleeping the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, it didn't hit her in the back of the head. She happened to be. Um, I'm glad it's not the other dream because there's another one that kind of like not oh, too far no. from that. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I I don't. It's crazy actually. I had a. I don't remember what the dream was, but 
not not anymore at least, but I, I had something in my hand. I must have grabbed something in my hand. She was um, on her desk working. And it's kind of crazy because, you know, the in our bedroom, it's sort of like the door. If you was to open it, you can see the living room. Um, but obviously, like, if you close it, there's only, like, so much space that you can yeah. even, you know. And the door happened to be that, like, barely opened. Um, but somehow I, I threw it or I said something. Um, I must have been, like, trying to catch somebody, and I threw something at them, and I and I caught them good. And I, I screamed, and I threw it, and it ended up all the way, you know, almost close to Andre by the room. And it perfectly yeah. went through that gap, which was crazy. And... You know, her screaming and like, you know, the whole bang on the floor woke me up and I was just like, what's going on? And I realized I- uh, You do something. I'll do something, yeah. Yeah, she thought you were awake, I think she said. She, she thought like, I was playing. She thought I was joking yeah. her. Yeah, I was yeah. knocked out. That's hilarious. All right, so the next one is one food has to go. So there's one food in the entire earth. No one can ever eat it again. It has to go. What do you think, Craig? Celery. Celery, okay. I respect that answer. Marvin, you don't like that answer? I like celery. I don't know. Celery. Like, I, I like celery. I go to Buffalo Wild Wings and I look at yeah. them celery sticks. I don't know. I've actually never heard anyone say celery that. with peanut butter is good too. I don't know. I know it's a thing. It's just it's not my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Yeah. It's better than Martine's answer, so we'll take it. We'll take it. Oh yeah. Martine says shrimp. She says shrimp. And, yeah. And I'm a, like a big seafood lover. Yeah, so that's kind of crazy. Yeah. 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 We almost ended the podcast, and it was the beginning. <laughs> so, I'll yeah. take I'll take the celery. Yeah, I'll take okay. it in the shrimp. <laughs> All right, um, best movie ever. On the best top of movie your head. ever! Wow, I watched too many movies. Uh, it goes to Terminator Two. I, I'm that's without thinking. Okay. I love Terminator. Okay, um, classic. There, oh, there you yeah. go. There yeah. it is. There it is. Tattoo right there. <laughs> All right, and the last one right here: world's best invention so far. Toilet paper. Hey, wow, that's a, that's a good, good invention. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Wow, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> wow, I like ans- asking these questions because people will say things that you never would have thought of. Like, right, right. I would have never said toilet paper, but that's a good one. We need that. That's essential. Yes, we've learned that over the pandemic. People were fighting for that thing. That's right. Um, that's wow, right. yeah. It's essential. All right, dope. So we're gonna jump into some questions, but before we do, uh, so Craig, mm-hmm. you are a tattoo artist. Yes. Which is correct. so dope. So amazing. You just showed us one of your tattoos. Mm-hmm. So I guess the before you were ever a tattoo artist, though, you would draw, right? And I've mm-hmm. seen some of like your draw. So I guess my first question is, what got you into drawing? Um, I guess it was like an innate thing. You know, I as a kid, four or five years old, maybe even younger, whatever, I can hold something. I was very visual and I loved to just draw the characters that I saw in the movies the Disney movies. Sometimes I would pause the movie and draw that scene. And not that it was like amazing, but it was just like my way of like thinking. I I just love to draw all the time in school, kindergarten. I remember drawing on the side of the margins. It was just like the way that I thought. And I was able to concentrate more listening while drawing. It's hard to explain, but it's always just been there. That's really dope. Wow. So you were like the person that would like doodle on the side of your notebook in class. Like you were Oh yeah. Up until graduating college, yeah. That's Always. Crazy. <laughs> you know what the best thing was if your teacher probably yelled at you and was like, Craig, you're not paying attention. But you just said that that was the better for you to listen that way. Yeah. So you probably could spew back everything that they just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You weren't paying attention. 
Exactly, yeah. Have you ever had a moment where like you was doodling and then the professor was like, you're going crazy and it's like, I actually drew you and I like changed the whole game? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's never happened. Well, they think that you're writing stuff down, ah. you know, oh, like intensely what... writing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one time I got a little too carried away in high school where I wanted to draw something, but I couldn't imagine it. So I was pick, uh, copying it from my phone, the picture in the middle of math class. So he thought I was texting and everything. I'm like, nah, I'm just drawing. Look at the drawing. <laughs> it looked like it, but he was like, give me your phone. Oh, no. So then from drawing, what made you get into tattooing? Um, well, as a kid, my dad was getting tattoos when we were very young and it was just kind of normalized. Uh, then my mom started getting tattooed when I was around like 13 or 14 and she was going to a phenomenal artist who was doing like these realistic portraits on her. And it was yeah. like, I love drawing portraits on paper and just in the back of my head, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. When I was a senior in high school, I started, I got my first tattoo, which was the Terminator I just showed you. And it was the same artist that was working on my mom. He knew I was an artist and we just kind of became friends over the course of sessions. And I would watch him tattoo my arm. And I was like, I think I could do that. And, you know, years go by of getting tattooed by him. And he presented the opportunity of, do you, do you think this is something you want to learn? And I said, yeah. Wow. That's really dope. That's awesome. <laughs> your, your entire family's tatted up, I feel like. like yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You guys all love tattoos, which is really awesome. Really dope. Mm. So you said that, so you would just sit there and he was like, the opportunity presented itself and he was like, this is something you want to learn. So what is that like to learn tattooing? Like, what is that process like? How do you go about, because I'm sure it's different than just drawing on paper. Yeah, yeah. So it was really hard for me. I would say harder than other artists learning to tattoo because I hold my my pen very strange ever since a kid. Like I put, if I were to have a pencil, let's say this is my pencil, I, I like put all five fingers on it like this mm. and go. Wow. So that's how I had my control. And they even tried to correct it back in um, elementary school because I was writing so weird, but I couldn't write any other way. But because of the way I held my pen, you can't hold a tattoo machine like that. So mm -hmm. I had to basically relearn how to write and draw the standard way as most people do. So that, that held me back quite a bit because, you know, my, the brain was there. It's like, I know what I have to do, but if, for the first time in my life, I couldn't control my hand to do what I wanted, something wow. I was so confident in. Wow. So it was, it was tough. It was tough. And uh, I remember being super discouraged. I'm like, can I do this? I'm going to let my mentor down. Like, yeah. I can't get over the 22 years of me drawing this way and writing this way. But what it was is just keep doing it. I had to, uh, I tattooed my thighs um, and just, you know, over the time just got used to holding a machine that way. But that was the, the hardest thing for me was to relearn how to draw. And I feel like a lot of people don't have to go through that when they start learning how to tattoo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you would tattoo your own thighs. Yeah, yeah. So before I had yeah. the, I had an apprenticeship, which yeah. is um, how I learned. But before that, my friend um, Devon Rodriguez, he had a machine in his, um, in the apartment that he was staying in. Like we were graduated from college or in college. Yeah. Um, and in his room, we would just practice on each other or our own legs because he's an artist too. And he was learning how to tattoo. Wow. So wow. before that, it was just like, very unsanitary. We didn't have license <laughs> um, in his room. Uh, that was the first time that I was like, 
tattooing. And then when I landed the apprenticeship, which was a year process from like interview to actually starting. Yeah. My mentor texted me. He was like, listen, cut that out. Just wait till you get here because you're going to still have some bad habits. Yeah. So, um, but by the time I got there, I watched him for a few months and then he was like, all right, today you're going to tattoo yourself type deal. So wow. uh, it's like super high pressure. I remember <laughs> it, it was a rough day. It was a rough day. And he saw it on me because like I was trying to do lines on my inner thigh, like real high inner thigh. And it's like, that's like baby skin, you know, even yeah. just if something brushes on it tickles, that's right. just going to hurt. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my lines were real shaky and I was frustrated. I mean, I had like my whole leg out in the middle of the shop while all these other people were getting tattooed by a phenomenal artist. <laughs> I tattooed myself and I remember he was like, listen, you did okay. Just cry in the shower when you go home. Wow. And then tomorrow's a new day. And then I was like, yeah. That's wow. a good mentor. <laughs> He's fantastic. Fantastic. That's so dope. So have you ever been scared of like messing a tattoo up? Because I feel like that's what, like, was on the other side. People are like, yo, don't go to just anyone. They'll spell the thing wrong or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, was that, like, a fear of yours starting tattooing? Oh, yeah. So he, uh, my mentor's name is Josh Lord. He set me up with people. He was like, listen, I want you to do 10 tattoos, friends, family that, you know, are willing to come in. But he would have certain parameters. So in the beginning, um, he had me do just silhouettes, which is basically just the shape of something filled in solid black mm. so what i would learn if i was tattooing a hand he would uh have me do the outline first so that practices how to do lines and if it's really bad like let's say if i'm going like this and then i i i go in and come back out by accident because it's going to be solid black later i can go in and just close mm. that gap and then Gosh. fill it in black so the silhouette is like super forgiving and it teaches you how to fill in black which is different beast than just doing straight lines yeah. So it was a lot of that for a while. So he kind of gave me tattoos to do that were very forgiving. Uh, and then he would kind of have me upgrade when he thought it was time to do a circle, a perfect circle or something. So, wow. this is so interesting. he was good with that. I would have <laughs> never thought of that. Like, I was just like, he probably went in. I thought you were going in like already drawing like full figures, but I would have never thought that like a silhouette would be the way to start. You know, that's really dope. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's really cool. So, what was your first tattoo ever? So was it that, like a hand? The first tattoo I did was on myself, and it was a little comic book Hellboy portrait from like it's like a really cool style. Yeah. Uh, but I figured, you know, it's not too complicated, and I did it on my leg. The actual art of it was really good, but I went way too deep on myself. So in mm. like the black areas, it scarred up, and then I went back mm. like a year or two later to to fix it. Uh, because when I went too deep, it's like getting a scab. The scab just ripped all the ink right out. So wow. it kind of like yeah. reset back to my skin color. Wow. Um, but yeah, that was the first one I did was on myself. So that was the first one you did. What's your favorite tattoo that you've ever done? Favorite? Um, there was one I did that I was really proud of because we sat for a long time. My client was like, let's get this done. So it was like a nine hour thing. Wow. But um I did uh, a full figure Mandalorian on his forearm, like walking from the like the movie poster. Wow! And it came out really well. He loved it, and it was like a real moment. Like, if I do, if I could do this every day, I, it would be like peak living, you know? <laughs> wow! Dope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are um have ha, like I guess how long have you been tattooing since um you know once you've been able to get your first you know I guess from from the whole hand thing mm -hmm. to like mm -hmm. where you got now. 
Um, I would I I say consistently consistently tattooing for maybe about two years now, two and a half years. Like it's like almost at least once a week to being almost every day, um, about two and a half years. But you know, from that first tattoo was maybe about four years ago that I did it myself. Mm. Wow. How, how is it? Um, is there any pressure? Is there any, um, you know, obviously you work in a tattoo shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, you know, I actually know, I, you know, you naming your mentor and everything. I've gone to that shop, I believe mm-hmm. East, East Side Inc., correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, and I've gone, I've gone to tattoo there and there's so many like um, phenomenal artists. Um, did you ever catch yourself sort of like comparing or is just like, do I fit in here? Um, you know, you're looking around everybody else, all these artists, and, and it's like, do you ever feel like maybe this isn't the shot for me? Like, maybe I need to do some training somewhere else? Or have you ever had to deal with that kind of like in your own head? Um, no, I never questioned going somewhere else. I mean, it, it was a blessing and, you know, kind of bad at the same time, or bad is the wrong word, but starting at such a prestigious shop, Eastside Inc., you know, it's like if people Google it traveling from the world, like they'll come to Eastside Inc. to get a tattoo yeah. in New York because it, it has some of the, the best artists in New York. There's a lot of amazing shops, but a lot of great artists are in that shop that have been doing it for 10 to 30 years plus. So starting in a shop like that is amazing because I don't have to work my way up to get really good to even start working at Eastside Inc. They're, they they yeah. want to invest in me from the ground up, which is amazing. But with that, it's like the bar is so high. Like this is our our standard for tattoos. And, uh, you know, it, it's a service industry and Eastside Inc. is known for being like very nice to their customers and making them feel, you know, at home. Because, you know, other shops can be pretty rough and it's like you feel like you don't belong there. And it's like the artists will just do what they want on you. So uh, half the job is, is the client. So that's something I had to learn because – and you know me ever since, you know, we were in middle school, but I'm yeah. a super quiet person. I'm not the one to talk to people or go out of my way. I just draw. I don't even like promoting my art to people. It's like, this is my yeah. art. I feel like, you know, but he had to really hammer in my head, like how to talk and meet a stranger every day who may get intimate because people, um, it's almost like therapy for them. You know, when they're going through a lot of pain, they just start venting and uh, people confide in you things and it's like, it, it's so multi-layered. Um, wow. but being there, yeah. So that pressure was really high and it still is high. And I, I remember, um, you know, feeling like if I mess up, it's not just me, but it's the whole shop. If I mess up on someone, it makes the whole shop look bad, even though I'm just, yeah. you know, the youngest guy there and the one who's been tattooing the least. So, the pressure is always high, but like I said, it, it's a blessing at, at the same time to be able to start in a place like that. That's amazing. So do you have someone that you tattoo every day? Like, are you always filled up or like, cause I know in the beginning you said like maybe once a week, but now mm-hmm. where are you at? Yeah, it's been, um, ever since we came back from the first, I say first, cause I don't know what's going to happen, but that first, um, <laughs> quarantine, yeah. Yeah. um, we opened back up. That was basically like a moment where I wasn't an apprentice anymore. And it was like, yeah. all right, our staff is like super cut in half because people left New York. A lot of the artists yeah. left New York. And uh, I started as the guy that basically does anyone that comes through the door. So since then, I've been working consistently. And I would say definitely the past six to seven months, I've at least one person a day. But like tomorrow I have 
three people the day after that wow. three people so it, it really stacks up and it, it, it's it's a lot yeah it's high pressure sometimes i don't get to go out to eat something uh from one to nine p.m so and living yeah. in rockaway it's the commute yeah. but every day is different you know it, you meet someone literally different and talk to a different person every day that's awesome do you have people that consistently come though like people who'll be like yeah i want to i want to go with craig yeah so that's what's great because the other artists are so booked out either mm -hmm. from like a month to six months yeah. so when people come in asking for something a name or a portrait you know i'm the guy that's available but you know usually my interactions with people are so well that you know they do want to come back and they're like or they'll tell their friend or they'll tell their cousin and it kind of just grows every day it's just like one new person that's on your network and yeah, so people come back. Uh, I have a few clients that just keep coming back anytime they want something. That's, That's awesome. Great. That's great. Is there a difference you feel like? Do you feel more comfortable with, say, like maybe a friend or a family member who wants to get it, like a tattoo, or is it like the same? Like now you just feel like I can talk to anyone, do a tattoo on anyone, doesn't matter. Yeah, I would say the latter. I feel like anyone that comes in, I'm pretty confident. Like, um, just to treat them right and making them feel comfortable. And then, you know, by like the half hour in that we're placing a stencil on, you know, we get pretty comfortable with each other friendly. Um, and, you know, I guess my appearance, well, you know, I'm not a super big person, super tall guy. So when people come in, it's like, all right, so I don't have to be like intimidating. And I feel like that yeah. that's a lot of it too. Like the way you carry yourself and also your visual appearance, you can't get around it. People judge you the moment they see you. So um, but if I'm doing a friend or a family member, it doesn't even feel like a work day too much. Like I like, even though the tattoo's hard, it's like, all right, it's, we're going to have fun today type deal. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. Who does your tattoos? So like you do your own or at least the one on your thigh, right? But like, right. who does your tattoos? So, uh, Josh Lord, my mentor, he okay. did all like the main pieces on my arms. Uh, and another guy named Oren, he did my back which is just old English, just says my last name, Franco, from shoulder to shoulder. Okay. Um, and that's pretty much it. One more artist did my hand. Uh, and I haven't gone anywhere else for tattoos. But ever since I started working there, I've only gotten like one tattoo from someone because they uh, prioritize real clients instead of just yeah. your coworkers, you know? So <laughs> I haven't gotten anything like serious in a while. I've had these like major tattoos on my forearms since before I started working there. But ever since I started working there, slowed down big time, getting pieces. Awesome. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. So just a side note, right? Can you walk us through like your tattoos? Like how many do you have? What do you have? Uh, it's hard to say how many I have because they're so like meshed in with each other. But, yeah. you know, it's a lot of portraits. I have uh, the Terminator here. I got Rocky yeah. there. Uh, then I have Batman here, Bane, Joker on the outside, Indiana Jones oh, here. So uh, and that's it for my arms. Like I said, my back is Franco. And then my thighs, I have uh, a Princess Leia portrait that I did on myself to practice portraits. I have that Hellboy comic. The latest one I did was a little Donkey Kong head to test uh, <laughs> a machine, a new machine I had. Uh, then the other arm, I mean, the other leg is, uh, I have something from Blade Runner, two characters from Blade Runner, and then a big pattern on my inner thigh that's just like a, a generic very complex pattern uh and yeah it's just pretty scattered it's all over the place because they're not really separate everything's kind of together so it's hard yeah. to say how many i have that's cool so is that a common thing for like t 
tattoo artists to tattoo themselves in order to practice? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty much the given thing because you'll know how deep you're going because you're going through the pain with every line that you do. Yeah. Uh, and then you see the healing process, and definitely in the beginning, it's like you don't want to ruin anybody, you know, if you're a good person. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you you do it on yourself. So yeah. I know, um, you know, uh, the thighs are pretty normal, but there's someone in the shop that when she was learning, uh, being a female, she didn't want to like cover her legs with anything so mm -hmm. she practiced on the bottom of her foot oh wow yes yeah, so. well i didn't know that that was a thing like that you practice on yourself i don't know why i didn't process mm -hmm. that i thought like <laughs> i don't know i guess it makes sense though nobody's just gonna offer their body for someone to practice on so that makes sense yeah yeah that makes sense but you said that in the beginning you did it on a couple of family and friends like people who would come in and you would tattoo them right as you yeah. after you learned right yeah so yeah like, yeah so at least I had a little bit of knowledge, but like I said, yeah. it was pretty simple stuff that was forgiving. If I messed up, I can fix it on the spot. Yeah. Dope. That's really cool. Wow. I feel like I'm learning a lot. I would have never <laughs> learned any of this. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. job and culture, that world. Yeah. That's really cool. So I guess, what would you say is like the end goal? Like, is tattooing like your end all be all? Like, this is what you want to do. Do you want to venture out into something else? Would you want to open up your own shop? Like, what does that look like for you in the future? Um, definitely tattooing. I see myself doing it for the next decade or so. Like, the main okay. means of income. Um, you know, being a visual artist is very hard, uh, yeah. especially in a world where uh, media is turning into video. So, static images aren't enough for people. Just like you see, Instagram is turning into like TikTok with all these videos. Like, they're yeah. slowly weaning out pictures. Uh, and that's tough for a visual artist because we paint a picture and we don't make animations or movies. So um, even if you get hired for a job to do like a cover for a magazine, it's not going to pay. It, it might be a couple thousand bucks, but it's not going to be enough to have an income. And yeah. so you have to have those all the time. And it's super stressful. But for me, tattooing, it's you have you know when you're working, you're going to work today. Eight hours is your work day. And then you have an income, you know, it's, it's consistent. It pays well. You meet people. It's like networking old school where you meet someone new every day and they know your name as opposed to just seeing your name online. Um, so it's, it's the wisest career path for me. And I've really grown to love it after getting over that hurdle of learning to do it. It's really enjoyable now. So that's definitely what I'll be doing at least for the next decade. Um, and then always on the side, I'm illustrating for people, doing private commissions, uh, you know, doing portraits for articles and magazines and stuff like that. But yeah. that's not as consistent. And even if I were just doing that, it definitely wouldn't be enough to have an income in, in New yeah. York. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Any other questions, Mark? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, man, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy because it's like I'm, I'm – like I, I obviously love tattoos. I have a mm -hmm. few, so it's like yeah. it's, it's it's like some of these things I obviously like knew I've heard of, but to actually now like hear from somebody that you know, it's just like you know, it's like wow, this is it's like you're getting deeper into what actually goes on in the tattoo world. Yeah. Um, I would say how um, how what what's there's so many tattoo shops, um, you know, especially in New York. How mm -hmm. big is um, or how big or small? I guess 
is the tattoo field, um, especially in New York? Does everybody know each other? Do people recommend each other? Or mm-hmm. is it sort of like, um, is it more of a lack of competition? You know, uh, I, I'm just asking this because I know I've had, um, I've had, uh, I have a tattoo artist. I, I've gone to uh, Big Steve at mm-hmm. Fun City. I've gone to him for, for a few things. And I've oh, gone, Fun uh, City, yeah. Yeah. And um, I actually went to Eastside to get uh, this tiger. I guess portrait you would say mm-hmm. um, by Dan Bones, and this is like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, I've gone to other people, and and it's just like, hey, who did that? And it's like, in a weird, sometimes it feels like it's like you bet. Not that they've said it, but it's like sometimes you feel like it's like you have to come back to this shop, or like mm-hmm. I want to be the only one to you know fill up your whole canvas, you know, your whole mm-hmm. body and all that stuff. And it's just like, you know, I've heard that joking. I've kind of got that vibe sometimes with some people, but it's like how. Is that a thing in the tattoo world or is it just like, you know, depends on the artist, depends on the shop? Uh, I would say it definitely depends on the artist. Now, I'm in like the modern tattoo world, which is very different from probably even 10 or 20 years ago where it was like a super hardcore thing. Whereas like you come to me, you go to no one else. And there's still shops like that. But for myself, I, I don't assume that that person's going to come back. And let's say they're even talking about future work. Like if I'm having a consultation, like I want it on my shoulder and I would ask them, all right, for placement, what are you thinking for the rest of your arm? Do you want to get other stuff done? And I would say, you know, you know, think about that. What else are you going to get done? And, but I, I even say things like, you know, if you were to come back here or go to any other artist, you know, I want to make sure that they have the space to do that. So mm-hmm. I try not to make people feel like they got to come back to me. And uh, there are other artists that are just better at me than doing certain things like a Japanese artist can do the, the Japanese, you know, cool dragons and waves or a flower artist or, you know, a lettering artist. So uh, I try not to be, make people feel that way because, mm. you know, it can be a bad feeling, the pressure to come back and you don't want to make people feel like that. Um, yeah. But about like rivalries with shops, um, usually no, a lot of artists, uh, at least, you know, artists I'm close with, they've, they work at other shops while working at Eastside Inc., that's pretty common oh, okay. on different days because one day could be closed there or, you know, yada, yada. Um, and over the years, if for people that have been tattooing for two decades, you know, they know a lot of the artists in New York. It's kind of a, a, a small world, even though there's a lot of shops, um, but it's a very small community of people that work and that are successful at it. So they usually know each other and very supportive of each other. But there are definitely some shop rivalries that are right. up. Um, like if someone leaves on bad terms and starts their own mm. shop and tries to compete, like that definitely happens. But yeah. generally the people that I work with are, are pretty good in terms of being connected with other artists in other shops in New York. Right. So, that sounds like barbershop stuff. Like <laughs> you can only let one barbershop. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard that before from guys. They're like, oh, I only go to this barber. It's like you can't cheat on your barber. You can't yeah. cheat on your tattoo yeah, artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. So – Go ahead, Marvin. Yeah, I was going to say, um, what I mean, I know obviously, um, you know, like you had said before, some people are good at Japanese, and you know, I used to love watching, I still do sometimes, you know, Ink Master. And, and I mean, I, I've, I've, I have a few tattoos, um, I think I don't know where they asked one of the questions in one of these uh podcasts, and it was like, I think I had like 10 or 13 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, for me, I definitely did a lot of like every tattoo that I had took years before I actually got it. You know, like I thought mm-hmm. about it and I planned it, thought about the placement. Um, 
And I always, you know, I would always look to see like, what does this artist do best? What does this artist do best? Mm -hmm. And like, even watching the show as like Ink Master, you know, that there's a lot of them where it's just like, oh, I could do everything better. Like, you know, I don't have just one style. Mm -hmm. What would you can put yourself as? Do you, you know, obviously like your job is to do a tattoo regardless of what it is, right? Any person who does a walk-in, what is, I guess, what would be your style? Or maybe what is your favorite type of tattoo to do? Uh, my favorite is definitely the realism, especially if it's a, a portrait, because I love doing that on paper. So even when I was first learning in the beginning, uh, it came so natural to do, you know, a realistic portrait or a, even a flower. Uh, that That's very easy for me. But I've had to learn, especially in the last year when we opened back up last summer, to do basically whatever comes in the door. There's, you know, a few times where it was like way too complex for me. I'd be like, listen, I would say, you know, you'd have to come back another day and book something with our guy that's really good at that because I don't want to force this and then we have to take twice as long because I'm not as efficient as getting it done as someone else in the shop. So uh, my favorite style to do is, is definitely portraits. That's dope. You said before that you did a guy, I think it was like a nine hour session. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the longest session you've ever done? Yeah, yeah, going straight. And it, I try to take a break every hour for like yeah. three to five minutes just to adjust my eyes and look out the window or something. Yeah. And, you know, you can get really tense when you're only thinking about doing that one line and your whole body is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're doing surgery. So I definitely got to break every hour. Some artists don't have to do that, but I, I don't want to be, you know, messed up in 10 years with my back being crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, that's crazy. But yeah, if you have a nine-hour session, we have a, a lunch break at some point so we don't both die. Sounds <laughs> good. Okay. I guess um, to kind of like wrap this whole thing up, we talked a lot about like tattooing, mm-hmm. a lot about your career, what you see yourself doing, you know, like art and all those things. I guess what I'll say is aside from tattooing, aside from like art, what are some of the things that you enjoy? What are some of your hobbies? Like, Because I guess like art is cool and it's something mm-hmm. that you love. But I guess because it's also your job, I would assume that you have hobbies outside of that as well. So I would, I'm interested to know like what else you'd like to do. Uh, well, I don't know if it's unique or not. It's definitely different. But I, I'm big into collecting, you know, getting like helmets and stuff, statues, figures. So mm-hmm. something I love to do ever since I was in middle school is get these cool figures and collectibles. I love to like bring them out into the public and take pictures of them as if they're yeah. like in real environments. <laughs> yeah. So I have a whole like separate Instagram that doesn't have my name on it. That's got like 20,000 followers or something like that. Wow. Um, that's just for that. I love painting figures, modifying them. Right before I came on the podcast, I was like, all right, I have two hours. I think I can do something. <laughs> so I was just painting a figure right before I jumped on here. Uh, but yeah, I, it's still like art related, but it's a different, you know, I'm not making any money from it or it's just something I love to do on my free time is, uh, you know, like the collecting world and taking pictures, uh, you know, having the camera going out in the city and putting Spider-Man on a hydrant or something. (laughs) That's cool. uh, I love doing that. Yeah. That's really dope. And yeah, we see the helmets behind you. I mean, the people on the podcast, (laughs) because it's only uh, sound, they won't see Mm -hmm. them, but Mm -hmm. we see them. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. That's really dope. Yeah. All I know is that soon, sometime, when I come to New York, I would really love to have you tattoo me and be the first tattoo that I ever get because I've been waiting <laughs> a long time mm-hmm. and I really want to get tattooed, but 
I've just been a little bit of a punk, you know? Right, <laughs> right. I really want it. So eventually we'll have that conversation. Sure, and hopefully yeah. we can make it happen. But yeah. this has been a lot of fun, Craig. I really appreciate it. I got to learn a lot. It was super interesting for me because I've never really got to, like, talk about this and all the behind the scenes of this stuff. So yeah. it's super interesting. Um, and I really appreciate you coming out. And like you said, we've of known course. each other since middle school. So it's really cool yeah. to, like, catch up and see what you're doing now, which has been dope. Yeah. Awesome. Well, with that being said, guys, this has been episode four of Ang Clueless. Um, real quick, Craig, why don't you throw your Instagram out there so they can follow you? Oh, sure. So my Instagram is at Craig Franco. That's just K-R-E-G-F-R-A-N-C-O. It's just my name. Awesome. Yeah. So go ahead and follow Craig. You have something else? That you can- uh, yeah, my website is just CraigFranco.com. Twitter, Craig Franco. Just type in Craig Franco. K-R-E-G. I usually pop up because it's not a popular spelling. Awesome. Hey, guys, go check it out. If you want a tattoo, Eastside Inc. is the place to go. And we will catch you guys next time. Love you guys. Peace out. See you.